0: To another edition of the Red Reporter podcast, uh, I'm your host BK, and alongside me this week uh, we have, uh, as always, it's a it's a Red Reporter only show. So we have, uh, Terrell and Eric Roseberry alongside me this week. How's it going, guys?
1: That's going great. I found out immediately after the end of the game today that I got out of jury duty tomorrow at eight o'clock in the morning. So regardless of how oh, bad the game actually so- looked on TV. My my day was fantastic based purely on that
0: point. It's, so. it's the best opening day ever for you.
1: Yeah, it was fantastic. <laughs> I I had chalked up tomorrow to a complete loss and no baseball to come home to. And to call in and find out that my number was just outside their range, I was like, woohoo, it's a victory.
0: That's awesome.
1: So, yeah. You
2: know what? I'm uh, I'm good. I'm doing better than Scott Feldman, so <laughs> oh, we can uh, yeah,
0: get into that's it. True. <laughs> yeah, we will. So, and and just for anyone uh, wanting some background on this episode, we're recording on opening day. Uh, just kind of a an opening day post game show, if if there ever was one, which is is not something we'll we'll probably do a ton of this year. Um, but you know, with the special occasion and uh, it being on our normal Monday recording schedule, we are we just happen to uh, all be in the in a recording mood and to get some uh, post-game takes for this opening day and to kind of talk about how we got here uh, over the last week or so. So, you know, I know when uh, we last had our our full podcast, uh, we, we recorded with uh, C. Trent Rosecrans, and which, by the way, was a great episode. We're going to have Trent on again as soon as we can, I think, because he... Absolutely knocked it out of the park. I think we could have gone another. As, as, as oh, I think we yeah. said on the episode, we could have gone another hour with him.
1: Yeah, I could, I could have but listened to him wax on on the Reds and the last ten years just, of the Reds just for, baseball, for hours. Just
0: baseball in general. I mean, yeah. But um, you know, we we were kind of talking on that episode about there were still some decisions to be made, and there was still a couple of places that were up in the air. We weren't really sure what the rotation was going to do. So, um, you know. We have the answers to those now. Now that it's already opening day, uh, we've had the answers to those. So um, I guess we can start with the Reds' biggest kind of acquisition in that span, um, Scooter Jeanette, who, you know, as NL Central baseball fans know, you know a longtime Milwaukee Brewer, um, the guy who had been with that team for, I believe, seven or eight years at this point I think he'd been there for he was the the second longest tenured member of the team I think behind Ryan Braun and uh it's he uh they decided to put him on waivers and the Reds picked him up and he'll be uh on their bench here to start the season so let's just kind of get an instant reaction to the Reds picking up Scooter Jeanette
1: Uh, instant reaction from my end, I thought it was a great claim, really. I mean, he's, he's making two and a half million bucks this year. Uh, they'll have team control of him over next year too, I believe, which means that it was basically a no cost bench signing. And if you look at what the Reds have given to guys who have been on their bench in years past, uh, the Skip Schumachers and the Jack Hanahan's and Miguel Cairo's of the world, uh, cost wise, it looks like it'll be about that much, but Scooter's you know, a decade younger than most of those guys were when they were brought in to be bench bats for the Reds. Um, and obviously I feel like he's got a much better track record uh, and has faced a lot of the same pitchers that the Reds are going to be playing this year because he's done it in the NL Central with the Brewers. So I think that was a great pickup. Um, my, my, my lone qualm was the fact that they chose to basically cut Desmond Jennings uh, to bring him in. Um, I feel like those are two guys, for, for the same reasons that we just talked about why uh, uh, Scooter would be good for a bench bat role for the Reds right now, I feel like Desmond Jennings is almost the perfect complement of that as a right-handed bat. Uh, so that was the part that frustrated me a little bit, but it's of course uh, – uh, uh, Kind of the, the end result of the Reds wanting to keep more pitchers on the active roster uh, because so much is up in the air on both the rotation and the bullpen. But uh, uh, bringing in Scooter in a vacuum um, I think was a very shrewd move. I mean, he's got, obviously he showed today he's on pace to hit 162 home runs this year, uh, which would be a record. Um, But uh, not not just the opposite field home run aside. He's hit very well in Great American Ballpark in his history. Uh, and he's the kind of guy who can be a versatile infielder if, say, uh, Dilson Herrera doesn't hit great in AAA this year or his shoulder continues to be bulky and they want to start trying to market Zach Kozart because he's in the last year of his contract. Uh, Gannett's the perfect kind of guy who you can still fit into that uh, 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 infield dynamic with Jose Peraza, move some guys around, and still some really good options. So uh, I I like it. I think it was the right right kind of move to be making.
2: I don't have anything to add to that scooter Jeanette <laughs> analysis. So it sounds <laughs> good to go. me. Yeah,
0: that's that's pretty much about. I th- yeah, I think the the main thing to uh, to touch on there that I I want to emphasize is that yeah, you know, I think it's a good depth signing, especially when you're expecting to. Um, get rid of Zach Cozart at some point. I think it makes him a little bit, it makes that pill a little bit easier to swallow to where you don't have to bring Del Snorera up at that point if you want to get rid of Zach Cozart sooner rather than later. You know, if they're, if somebody has an opening in at the end of April for Zach Cozart, you can jump on it because you know that you have Scooter Jeanette ready to run in the second base spot, and you can move Peraza over to short real quick, so... Yeah, I think that's it's a it's a shrewd move. I think that it's the kind of thing where I don't I don't think that he's going to be hurting for at bats in this Red lineup. I think that you know he'll he'll probably start a handful of days a week. Um, you know when you know if Peraza doesn't start or if you know Zach Cozart needs a day off or if one of the outfielders needs a day off, one of those other guys can you know. I think that we're going to see a lot of rotation with these Reds bench players. Um Just given kind of how how spring training went and how um how especially the outfielders how you know Shebler might not play every single day um he might more be more of a platoon bat, same with Duvall. so um yeah. yeah i think I think scooter will get a shot, and um I think that we won't lose too much by bringing him in and and letting him uh take the reins a little bit so.
1: Yeah, and I feel like he's, he's he's actually moved around the diamond a little bit in spring training this year because the Brewers are kind of looking to find ways to get him into the lineup as well. Right. So while he's played primarily second base in his career, I think uh, the, the fact that the Reds claimed him uh, and he'd been experimenting at those positions with the Brewers, I think it's pretty clear that the Reds are willing to see if he can move around and play a little third base. I know we got some time there, like the last – Either the Futures game or the last spring training game. I think they got him some time at third base. But, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I think the fact is, you know, you look how weak the the Reds bench was last year, hitting zero pinch hit home runs. Uh, Gannett's not exactly a, a power bat off the bench, but he's a guy who's a competent uh, uh, guy who's still relatively in his prime age who's been a big league regular and gotten plenty of at-bats. I, I think that's the, the right kind of person you want to have as your 300 and 350 PA guy who can get – uh starts around the diamond and so yeah i think it was a i think it was a pretty shrewd pickup because you look up at the reds bench right now when he kind of instantly became the most dependable bat on the bench uh immediately yes, after much. they claimed him and for two and a half million bucks that's uh that's a pretty good gamble
0: yeah i mean depending on what you think of uh pat Kivlahan, that's uh that's pretty much pretty much it right
1: I have high hopes for Kim <laughs> Lahan, but uh, at 27, yeah. 27 years old with twenty four career big league plate appearances, uh, <laughs> it's it's hope at that point. At least with Scooter, you get like at least a little bit of known quantity. So,
0: yep. So, uh, and going on to the next, basically the next big news of the Reds roster is kind of how the rotation shook out. Um, it looks like you know, Scott Feldman started today. Brandon Finnegan will go on Wednesday. And then you have uh, Amir Garrett, Ricky Davis, and probably Bronson Arroyo rounding out the rotation. Um, I, I think it's safe to say that I I don't think any of us saw this five rotation uh, coming out of when spring training started. Is that safe, is that safe to say? Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah. I think that would be fair to say. Uh, I mean, I think there was some expectation maybe one of the younger guys would get an opportunity and then I expected them to throw like a, a Tim Edelman in or somebody just to eat and inch to buy some time. But yeah, I mean, they're willing to roll the dice with Garrett and Davis. And I mean, uh, you know, we've talked about on here before Garrett's a little older than somebody typically in his spot. So, uh, I'm fine with that. And I have no clue what to expect from the, uh, Bronson Arroyo, 2017 experience, so it should be a wild ride.
1: Yeah, yeah I, I, I i look at the last year specifically and, and see that Robert Stevenson started what like the the third or fourth game of the season, which essentially yeah. means he he started the year in the opening day rotation. Whether he was actually up there on day one or not, um I, I get the impression that the, the reactions that we have to the roster construction on day one this year are going to be a little bit overblown once we find out what they do with Arroyo. I fully anticipate that when Arroyo gets called up to start probably the first game in St. Louis, you'll see Rookie Davis or Amir Garrett or Robert Stevenson or Cody Reed sent back down to AAA uh, just because that's the move that makes sense. So um, despite the fact that the Reds chose to bring all four of those guys up on day one, uh, two of whom have not had any big league experience at all in starting their clocks, uh, you know, the reason that we're not freaking out about Robert Stevenson's service time at this point now based on what happened last year is because they managed to manipulate it well enough down after the fact. So I think he'll come up and they'll end up kind of sorting out the bullpen and the fifth starter role Uh, well enough now to where ultimately by the time May 1st rolls around, it it won't matter anymore. Um, But I do think it was interesting that the Reds chose to put all those young guys on to start uh, because they're obviously they're very good friends. I think that's the one thing that, that, that kind of came out of spring training that I uh, took notice of was the fact that like a lot of those guys lived together uh, Sal Romano included um, yeah. and, and, and and spent a lot of time not just like competing with each other but actually like being friends and rooting for each other too. so I, I wonder if there's some sort of uh, uh, team building mo. Uh, surrounding this and putting them up on the big league roster and letting them experience the opening day, uh, despite the fact that there's probably going to be enough of a shuffle that comes out in the next two weeks or so, to where they're not all still there, um, almost as a taste or a teaser uh, to see how they react to it and to give them, a, you know, a, a, a glimpse into what could be if they go down and perform well enough in Louisville. Um, But, again, coming back to Amir Garrett, though, which is something I've written about a couple times so far this spring, um, he's going to be 25. This is technically his age 25 season uh, based on how they they grade things uh, and roster tracking. Um, He's on his second option because he came up and got put on the 40-man roster a little bit before everybody else uh, because of his basketball playing days. Um, I think he's a guy who legitimately has a chance to just take a, a rotation spot and run with it. Um, he's a little bit older than the other guys and a little bit less polished potentially. Uh, but I think his stuff plays really, really well. And I'm excited as heck to see what he can do this season.
0: Yeah, I, I, agree with that too. I mean, I think that of the, of the unproven kind of younger guys, I think that, uh, Garrett probably had a leg up just because of that age and, you know, getting, you want to know what you have in Amir Garrett, you know, before he gets to a certain point and yeah, you might have a little bit more time with a rookie Davis or Sal Romano or someone like that. But yeah, I I think Davis probably surprised me a little bit more in that, you know, really he won that spot basically from Robert Stevenson and Cody Reed who were, you know, last year at this time, we were talking about those two as, you know, one a and one B on the reds prospect list you know, both of them kind of got a taste of, of big league ball last year, and kind of had some jitter problems and kind of had some nervousness to where um, it's it's kind of telling that you know Brian Price and Dick Williams don't feel comfortable putting either of those two in the rotation to start the year. Now, I guess we've kind of heard that maybe Cody Reed might end up starting th- really soon. I, I yeah. I don't know exactly how that all went down, but you know it's it's interesting that it got to a point where Rookie Davis is like announced as, "Hey, you're the fourth starter for this team coming out of spring training."
1: Yeah, w- with Rookie, I think he's the um, he, he's in such a weird prospect position as is. I mean, uh, obviously he came over in the oldest Chapman trade that brought in three other guys that. You know, you, you hope you can get a utility roll out of a couple of them, and Caleb Cotham's already gone, uh, and and Davis came over as a guy who technically was like the highest rated of everybody in the Yankees system, uh, and, and immediately started throwing 89 to 90 miles an hour on his fastball last year, and everybody's like, well, what the hell? Um, and then it turns out, uh, not only did the Yankees farm system not be good when he came over, but then the Yankees traded everybody and now have the most stock farm system or one of the most stock farm systems in baseball. And Davis is coming off a year where everybody kind of lost track of him because he was, his fastball disappeared and he didn't, he had good results, but not great results. And then he's coming out this year and apparently had a leg injury last year that was just sapping his ability to kind of push off. Uh, and his fastball is four to five miles an hour fast, faster at this point in time than it was for most of all of last year. So it's almost like he's a completely different pitcher now than he was when the Reds got him. Uh, he's the pitcher that probably was accurately rated in uh, the Yankee system before this leg injury kind of sapped that a little bit. And uh, uh, it, he was just overlooked long enough for most people to kind of write him off. And then he comes out this spring and shows, "Hey, this is what I can really be." um and he's the one last real chance for the Reds to kind of salvage that Harold as Chapman trade uh, from a saving face perspective. and it's interesting that they give him a shot from day one to uh, to kind of take the you know the reins and run with it at the big league level.
2: I was gonna bring that up. Do you guys think there's any and I don't think they'd make a decision solely based on this, but any pressure on the team. To get as much as possible out of Davis, just to to show or prove in some way the the Chapman trade wasn't the bust fans assume it was.
0: Yeah i I don't know i I could definitely see that angle, and I think that you know if if the Reds felt like that was the case, then that would be a the way that they would take it. But you know I I can't imagine a big league club making decisions like that. I hope that the Reds aren't. You know, right, taking, right. Take it that that personally to to an extent. But you know, I yeah, I mean I, I think that there there could be some pressure on the Reds front office, but I yeah, I think that from what we've seen from, from Rookie Davis, I don't think that it's it's completely far fetched to see him in the rotation. Like it would be if you know, if they would have come out last year out of spring training and been like, Okay, rookie, you're our guy like I would have been like that's that's obviously that doesn't make any sense but yeah I think that you know he's he's kind of proven himself to pit, pitch well enough uh, in spring this year that I think that he's deserving of a shot and I'm I'm glad that the Reds like it but yeah I, I I I could see that I don't know
1: yeah I know it's quite when you asked it I, I immediately knew where you're going with that because it popped in my head kind of as I was talking way through that too it was like wait well you know this. He is kind of the one last chance, aside from Tony Rinda, or you know, uh, uh, if if he can you know finally uh, uh, crack a spot in the rotation and suddenly be the red second baseman, which I don't really foresee happening at all. Um, it, it's interesting to think about that, but I I, I hope not. Um, I feel like with Jose Peraza, they kind of have to because he was obviously much higher rated than Rookie Davis coming in. And rumors surfaced that they had Rollins Chapman traded for him initially. Then they went back and traded Todd Frazier for him. Uh, so I feel like Peraza is the kind of guy who's got that pressure on him because the, you know the 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 Reds kind of played their hand as showing how much they wanted him uh, uh, for anybody. Uh, but with with Davis, I, I feel like he gets a little bit more of a benefit of the doubt. And you know if if Reed had showed better in big league time last year and if Stevenson had showed better in big league time last year and in AAA uh, and Davis had still made the roster this year, uh, maybe I could see a little bit more of the argument for that. But I think it's almost uh, the Reds endorsing him and saying, look, you know, these other guys have been higher rated than you, but they haven't exactly taken the job. Uh, from you, uh, we'll give you the chance based on what you've shown us here and, and now uh, and go with it. And I think I'm okay with that. I, I don't feel like there's uh, too much weight on his shoulders uh, because of that trade because, if anything, the other guys are carrying the prospect uh, 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 status on top of their shoulders, which probably has just as much weight uh, in terms of uh, disappointed Reds fans at the moment uh, as Davis being the you know the quote-unquote centerpiece of the oldest Chapman return.
0: Yeah, I I agree with that too. I think the one uh, one important thing that you pointed out was that, yeah, I I don't know if it's as much of an uh, an endorsement of Davis as much as it's an indictment of Robert Stevenson and Cody Reed in that it's basically the organization saying, hey, you guys, we know that you guys are you know blue chip prospects and you know you guys are. Were rated really highly on prospect lists, but hey, you guys got big league time last year, and you didn't take advantage of it. So, yeah, I think that it's going to be up to those two, to especially Stevenson, to kind of prove that he belongs there a little bit. Yeah. And you know, I, I think you know, especially you know, towards the end of the year, we we didn't really see the kind of maturation that you would hope to see from those both of those guys. And you know, I think when you when you have these you know, I think you expect some growing pains when you have rookie starting pitchers and you have you expect, you know, hey, you're not having a great outing and it just kind of unravels and gets away from you a little bit. But, you know, if you're going to be part of this rotation and especially like this year, next year, maybe the year before that or the year after that, you're going to need to be able to kind of take your lumps and eat some innings a little bit because if you're if you can't go 3 or 4 innings, you're not going to have a spot on this team. Because this team can't do anything with you. So, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Because I think that, you know, if Davis can keep his composure as he's making this jump, I, I think that it's very likely that he could he could stick around and we can see a lot more of him.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think if anything that that might echo the fact that the Reds' front office kind of agrees to that sentiment, uh, the fact that Tim Adelman didn't get included on the big league roster is that uh, mop-up, multi-inning—you know—if you—if a reliever has to come in early into a game, kind of guy, which at his age and given his, you know, his his history in the minors, uh, kind of suggests that's what he would be had he made the opening day roster. Uh, it's almost like the Reds are saying, "Hey guys, uh, we're not bringing in that guy to just save your butt that you know can come in and help clean up the mess." It's just on you. Like, somebody go out there and show us, now that you've made the big league roster, that you can go out there and get us five, six innings uh, and do it. And I think that's an interesting way of going about things. But, uh, you know, Brian Price is a former pitching coach, and I think if anything uh, suggests the reason why the Reds chose to carry that many more pitchers than bench bats to start the season, it's to make sure he's got – hands-on ability to work with them, not just during the games, uh, but during warm-ups, after the games, uh, you know, showing up the, at, the, at the ballpark at 11 o'clock. All of that stuff is, you know, at the big league level to kind of help carry that along and at least get his eyes on how all of these guys take to that. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not the kind of thing that you really have to break that and analyze for a team that's got a lot of established veterans and is looking to win 95 games a year. Uh, but where the Reds are in this rebuild, I think it's kind of vital to have price with them as often as they possibly can be, uh, to start the season to see how he can help mold these guys. And I think that's probably what this is.
0: Mm Hmm. All right, so let's just kind of touch on uh, today's game. Um, the Reds lost to the Phillies 4 um, 3. You had Scott Feldman have a less than stellar debut, I guess we'll, is how we'll put it. Um, you know, Sco- Scooter Jeanette hit a, a two run bomb in the ninth to uh, kind of get the Reds closer than it was for the whole game, but. Um, you know what did what do you guys think of Feldman's performance as as in his first start and in his first opening day start with the Reds?
2: Yeah, I think if if Cincinnati could have drawn up their worst possible scenario, it would be Scott Feldman giving up a home run to the first batter of the game. And all the 2016 right. feelings came rushing back to me, but he just, uh, I mean, there were parts of the telecast and I didn't hear it followed up on, but I don't know if uh, he was uncomfortable or just having trouble, but he called the trainer out and price out and yeah, right. it just didn't seem personally like he was as sharp as he had hoped to be today.
1: Yeah, you know, I I think ultimately, if um, if you told me that Scott Feldman was going to yield three earned runs and four point two innings pitched, and it was going to take him ninety nine pitches to get through four point two innings, yeah, I, I think that's the reason why the Reds were able to sign Scott Feldman late in the winter after trading Dan Straley for what two million dollars at a base salary with plus incentives. Um, I I think that's kind of you know. When you sign that guy, that's what you're hoping to get out of your fourth or fifth starter. Uh, the Reds paid the market price to bring in a guy of that caliber with that experience. Uh, unfortunately for the Reds, though, uh, the way things broke, that turned out to be the guy that they wanted to count on most for opening day. So I think it's less than an indictment about uh, how – how Scott Feldman is in his, what, age 33, 34 season, and more about the indictment that the Reds had to basically roll him out there for day one. Um, because as far as I'm concerned, uh, you know, uh, yeah, he gave up a leadoff home run to, to Cesar Hernandez, and Freddy Galvez eventually touched him up. Um, those are two guys who, based on their scouting reports, aren't going to hit a whole lot of home runs. He threw meatballs to him, not anticipating them hitting home runs. Uh, you look at the middle of the order – he threw a lot of breaking pitches to him. He got a lot of guys out because that's what he knew he had to do. I think he chose to challenge guys that ended up tagging him for home runs into the you know the first five rows of the right field and Great American Ballpark, which a lot of guys have done before. So um, ultimately speaking, I think if you can get five innings of three run ball out of Scott Feldman while you're trying to buy time and sort out the rest of the the young starters for the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, that's kind of what they were hoping for. Um, although I guarantee if you ask the Reds in December uh, what they were hoping for for opening day, they'd be like, oh, Homer Bailey's going to throw seven innings or Anthony Scafani going to strike out nine and six and a third and then Ray Iglesias is going to come over. Um, so I, I don't think it's as bad a, uh, 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 a view on what Scott Feldman can provide. As much as it is uh, uh, kind of an indictment of where everybody else in the rotation currently is. Um, either way, uh, did it generate a whole lot of excitement in the land of the Cincinnati Reds? Uh, absolutely freaking not. And it was kind of the most boring uh, uh, interpretation of what the weather was in Cincinnati today uh, as physically possible.
0: Yeah. That's, that's a good point. Yeah, I was at the game and it was... The the pitching performance was about as cloudy as the weather was, just generally, and it was, you know, yeah. Just kind of a, obviously going to opening day is always a good time and it's always uh, an exciting time to be in Cincinnati, but, right, just kind of, it's that overarching feeling of like, blah. Going on the whole day, and then alongside that, the pitching performance, which you know, yeah, some of the stuff I was overhearing in the stands was was pretty comical when uh, when Scott Feldman <laughs> sure. took him out as as the Reds' opening day starter. Yeah. Like, who, who who is this guy? Where where did they find this guy? Yeah. And then obviously even even picking up after he gave up the leadoff home run after after being ahead in the count. Um, I think he was ahead. You know, one, two in the yeah, count. Started, and, you started
1: off with two straight you know, strikes, and I made a flipping comment on Twitter about, oh, based on the first two pitches of the game, it looks like Scott Feldman's ready yeah. to go. What a, what a great <laughs> that, that looked
0: that looked good. And then yeah. you, you had, I I say so I remember that very vividly. Just remember seeing a couple of uh you know kind of iffy calls, like oh, the the ballpark didn't like that uh, that ball two call. The ballpark didn't like the ball three call, and then. Then, then, uh, the next, then the next, the next ones over the ball. fence. And, yeah, uh, here we go. Yeah. Yeah. so, yeah, it's it. I, it yeah, it's uh, yeah. Eric, you said it best. It's kind of a microcosm of Cincinnati Reds baseball from last year, and just kind of carrying over uh, into this season too. So, but
1: yeah, I, it's, if, if there was one takeaway <laughs> from today's game, and obviously if it was a Phillies lineup, which is not a juggernaut of a lineup by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, the bullpen came in and. If Scott Schebler makes a catch on a ball that basically was hit right at him uh, off the opposing pitcher's <laughs> bat, uh, which ended up going for an RBI triple, uh, the bullpen goes four and a third without allowing a run. And, you know, that, One run. Well, that's what I'm saying. If, if, if Shepler makes yeah. that oh, catch right. on yeah. the hit, uh, the triple that went right at him off Jeremy Hellickson's bat, uh, that, that was the lone run allowed by the bullpen. Um, and if you look at Blake Wood and Michael Lorenzen and Drew Storen, And Rysel Iglesias, uh, Barrett Ashton getting out of a jam earlier too. Uh, If if the bullpen uh, continues to act like it did towards the end of last season when they had everybody healthy – which in large part that's what it showed today, I think that is at least one positive development you can take out of it, which is, hey, they've got a lot of talented arms down there. If, you can, if, the, if the soft-tossing 88 to 90-mile-an-hour guy can get over to the fifth inning, the Reds do have a lot of options to close out games. And I think today was, uh, you know, obviously you wanted to be in better situation by the time you got to that point. Uh, but the guys at the back end of that, uh, that pitching staff look like they do actually have the chops. Uh, to make that less of a oh god, everything's gonna go to hell when they come in there moment, like it was all of last year. So, uh, that, that that's my one positive takeaway from the pitching staff today.
0: Right, but yeah, I think and to kind of play devil's advocate there, I don't know how I feel about you know the Reds being down three runs in a game and uh, and Brian Price actually using three of your four kind of closery guys in store on Lorenzen and Iglesias. You know, I I think that, yeah, you know, if that's his go-to move in a game that, yeah, obviously you want to keep it close, but it's not, you know, it's not a tie ball game. It's not a game where you're up one or two runs. Yeah, you know, I'm i kind of curious how many innings we're going to be putting on Lorenzen and Iglesias' arms by, by the time the season ends here, because... It could be end up being a long season for those two.
2: Well, he said he might use them both a hundred innings, and he is. We are yeah. well on our yeah. way. If this yeah. is a, a sign of things to come, yeah, that is absolutely backing up that statement.
0: Yeah, and also, <laughs> I also wonder if
1: that's also a, a kind of a reflection on the fact that you know what we talked about previously, which is that Cody Reed and Robert Stevenson and/or Rookie Davis are all technically in the bullpen, yet none of them saw innings today. Despite the fact that the starter didn't make it out of the fifth inning, so uh, if those guys who are you know groomed as starters and in theory could be multiple inning arms, uh, yet didn't even. Get in on a day where there was, you know, uh, they were behind three runs uh, and weren't trying to protect the lead. Uh, In theory, that's when you'd expect a long man to come in, and the long man never came in. So maybe they are getting those guys some big league experience and time more for dugout and bullpen, uh, you know spitting flower seeds and and shooting the shit, pardon my French, for a couple innings for a week and a half, two weeks to start the season. And when Bronson Arroyo is back and when they really start shaking things down when the off days die down, those guys are going to go back and hope they learn something. And I think that might be kind of an indication that we're getting that, hey, they're brought up more for the experience at this point than they are to actually eat innings early on in the season.
0: Well, and I I guess I'll go and say with that, we have – absolutely overanalyzed the heck out of one game of the the 2017 red season. So, uh,
1: we, we've, we've figured uh, out Ryan price in one day, in 25 minutes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So yeah, 161 to go at this point. So, uh, podcast
2: after each one, right?
0: Yeah. They're going to win one. It's going to happen. The the post, the post game show. Oh, can you imagine us after a win? (laughs) (laughs) That's a good, uh, good mood. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, with that we're we're gonna keep this one uh, short and sweet. So, uh, yeah, if there's if there's anything uh, you either of you guys want to add, I'm excited to see Brandon
1: Finnegan get a start on Wednesday. I know you guys who are actually going to the game, yeah. the uh, the Red Reporter game two, adding are are, are similar news, yeah. and I'm jealous to not be there. But uh, I am excited to see what Brandon Finnegan can do as taking the step forward, considering as uh, as much as the the rotation has kind of fallen down and been reset around him he is the one guy who actually pitched pretty well last year uh who is in the rotation to start this year and um you know he got overlooked for for the game one start but uh, I think he might he's always kind of seemed like a guy who's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder and uh him getting the nod in the first night game of the year on uh, on game two I'm interested to see him come out and see if he uh uh grits his teeth a little bit and and, and throws rocks so
2: yeah, it'll be fun. If anybody, uh, I am assuming it will not be too difficult to get a ticket to Game Two Reds versus Phillies. So yeah, come on out, yeah. join us.
0: Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, actually, there. Yeah, I still have uh, tickets. Yeah, call available. Call for... if this posts before me, we yeah, yeah, get uh, <laughs> yeah, if we get this up quickly enough, uh, shoot me a tweet or an email or something, because uh, we can we can get you to the game if you uh, if you have want to go. So.
1: And, and yeah, I, I, at the Musketeer, and you could have a full on Red Reporter experience. Yes.
0: <laughs> oh man don't don't subject me to that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm just hoping that uh, Eric and I get to actually watch some baseball on Wednesday because uh, I I've been looking at weather forecasts and it nah. looks as bad as as bad as today looked, which we ended up lucking out uh, weather wise. Yeah, uh, Wednesday looks ten times as bad. So hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully, uh, we won't have the the firmest Red Reporter tradition, and that's some kind of rain delay or cancellation because that's it's definitely happened a couple of times uh, so far in Game Two. So yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, we're we're obviously looking forward to that. That's always such a good time, and uh, looking forward to to seeing everybody out at the ball yard. So we'll uh, keep an eye out for that. We'll have an eyewitness report. Hopefully next week of uh, some baseball that we got to watch and uh yeah, so uh let's let's wrap it up. So uh make sure to visit us online at Red Reporter uh on Twitter, redreporter.com dot com uh on your interwebs and uh we'll talk to you next time.
1: Go Reds, they're my favorite team.
2: <laughs> See you guys.